You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. I just want to invite you to turn to Exodus uh, chapter uh, 25 as we're going to continue our series on the tabernacle today and I invite you to follow along there. Um, so we're doing a series right now and it's called God is Here and it's about the tabernacle, looking at the Old Testament. Uh, ancient Israel uh, built this tabernacle at the instruction of God and uh, the goal of this series really is to make sense of that. Like, because when we're reading through it, there's all sorts of rules and, you know, uh, descriptions of how many dimensions and what kind of wood and materials need to be used there, what kind of supplies, uh, rituals, all this kind of stuff. And uh, it, you read it, and at first blush, it seems to be a little bit um, monotonous. You're wondering, going, does it really matter, all these measurements? How Does it really matter how long this was or how high this was or, you know, how many pomegranates were engraved on it? Do we really need to know all that? And so the goal of this series is to say, why does that matter? And is there any purpose to it? Is there any function to, to studying that? And uh, And I think there is, because the tabernacle was God's home among the people. When, when God said, I want to live among the people, so they would live, they, would, they were kind of nomadic, and they would travel around. They have these tents, and God said, well, I want a tent. I want to get one, so, but I want to be in the middle of the people. He didn't want to be separate, far off, somewhere up on a mountaintop while they were here. He wanted to be in the middle of his people. I feel like I'm feeding back a little bit here. So uh, he, he, would, he said, I want this tent right there in the middle. And so they built this, and he said, this is what I want you, I want you to build it to these specifications. So he gave them it, and that's what we call the tabernacle. Right? And it was God's way of being in the center of their everyday life. Now, we no longer have a tabernacle. Right? This, is, this is not a movable tent. There's not like a place that you can go to see the tabernacle. I mean, there are. There's some people do replicas and things like that. There might be even one in Lancaster. I don't know. Usually there's something in Lancaster. You know, anything that's related to the Bible, somehow it's out there. Um, but fortunately, we've got a record in detail of what the tabernacle looked like. And we can go study that. And we can learn about God's home. And just like your home tells me about you, God's home tells us about him. And so the first thing uh, that we learn about God's home here as we study is that he likes rectangles. Right? God likes rectangles. And so here's, here's the, his, his rectangle, right? And so it had three rooms, right? And we're gonna, we, we've gone through them each week, right? There was the outer courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies, Right, and those are these these three different rooms, and there would have been a uh, a big gate, that purple line right here. It was a gate into the outer courtyard. Remember, everybody could come into the outer courtyard. Everybody was allowed, right? If you were ceremonially clean, everybody could come in. And if you remember, there was a gate, and Jesus said, "What he said, I am the gate, right? I'm the way." And so, so they would come in this gate, and we've been trying to see how that tabernacle now connects to Jesus, and then it connects to us. And so everybody can come in. Everybody comes in through the gate. And Jesus says, I'm the gate. And then they come in and then there was the, the altar of burnt offerings. Remember, this was a barbecue. And they would sacrifice. Every time they messed up, they'd have to offer sacrifice. And it was endless. It said it never stopped. Like there was just an endless stream of sacrifices. It was impossible to satisfy. But then Jesus said, I will be the sacrifice. And he laid down his life. And no longer do we have to bring. Fortunately, you didn't have to come to church today with like a goat. Right or a sheep that you had to come sacrifice because Jesus said, no, once for all time, I got it. I'll be the sacrifice. Right? And no longer do you have to do that. We no longer need to keep paying. He paid once for all time. And then we come to this labor, which is essentially a little pool, 
which sounds good in the New Jersey humidity. Right? It, was a little, it was called a, a labor, and you would wash in it, and you would wash off because they had just sacrificed a bunch of animals and they're coated in some gross stuff. Right? And, and that was after, now this is not sacrificial. This is afterwards. This is cleansing. And then Jesus said, hey, I'll wash your feet. He got down on his knees. Right? And he washed his disciples' feet because Jesus continues to wash us day by day. We come to him for, for cleansing, to wipe off the grime of life. Right? How do you stay clean in a dirty world? You wash often. That's it. Anybody like not taking a shower for a week? If you haven't, everybody around you knows. Let's just say that. Okay. So, then they move into the holy place, the inner courts. right? And there would be a door into there, a way in. Right? And as you get in there, remember, this was only for priests. Priests only. Right? So the, everybody could go in there, but once you got to that next room, that was priests only. And Jesus said, hey, I'll, I'll be the high priest. I will be your priest. And then he turned around, remember, and said, and I'm going to designate you all as royal priests, a holy nation. Right? And so now you have permission to give out little jewels to everybody. They went on the ephah, the thing that the priests wore. It was a sim- symbolized the 12 tribes of Israel. Remind them that when they went into the holy place, they, they let everybody else in there with them. And you've got the permission and the privilege of leading people into the very presence of God because you're royal priests. Right? So Jesus not only said, I'm the priest, but I'm going to make you priests too. And you walked in, and we get to the showbread. And if you missed that week, I'm sorry, it was a good week. We had bread. Right? The bread is always on the table. The bread of the presence. We gave out Dolce and Clemente bread to everybody in here. And if you weren't here, it was a good, oh, it was a good one. Some good bread. But that bread represents the, the bread of life. Right? And Jesus said, what I am, the bread of life. Right? And the bread is always on the table. And then, and that's, we just begin to see, right? The bread is always fresh. And everything we need is found in God's presence. And as we come to Him every day, guess what? We're never hungry again. He says, you eat from, from, from what I have to provide for you, you will never be hungry again. So you can just see how there's this developing process going through. And then, then we come to this, this menorah, the golden lampstand, which we'll talk about today. And then, then we come to the altar of incense, which will be next week. And then there was a, a veil, which you may have heard about that, you know, when, when Jesus, died, right? There was this veil and something happened to that when he died. And then you get through and there's the Ark of the Covenant. This is the Holy of Holies and only the high priest went in there only once a year, right? And that's where the actual presence of God fully in its fullness resided, right? So this was sort of the picture of God's house. So we're going to take a look more closely at that, at that menorah, at the lampstand today and just say, okay, what, is, what does that mean and what's that about and so what? So Exodus chapter 25, it'll be on the screen too if you'd like to read along. Verse 31, it says this. God's giving them instructions about the lampstand. It says, make a lampstand of pure hammered gold. God's got some style. All right? Make the entire lampstand and its decorations of one piece. All right? The base, the center stem, lamp, cups, buds, and petals. Everything one solid piece. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms. Complete with buds and petals. God is really specific here. He really, I mean, almond, almond blossoms. Okay. Craft the center stem of the lampstand with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms. Are you there already? Yeah, complete with cups and petals. 35. There will also be an almond bud beneath each pair of branches where the six branches extend from the center stem. Verse 37. I'm sorry, verse 36. The almond buds and branches must all be of one piece with the center stem, and they must. This is where you see it's like it's getting like. I really, did you read that already? I felt like I read that already. No, it just continues to be very, very clear. Okay, verse 37. Then make the seven 
lamps for the lampstand and set them to reflect their light forward. Verse 38. Here we go. The lamp snuffers and trays must also be made of pure gold. 39. You will need 75 pounds of pure gold for the lampstand and its accessories. This was not made with wood and overlaid with gold. This was solid gold. It was a solid gold 75-pound lampstand. That's a nice lamp. So I did some calculating, and according to today's prices on gold, how much do you think that was worth? $1.7 million. $1.7 million lamp. That's a nice lamp. Anybody got a lamp that's $1.7 million sitting in your house? Right? Like, think about it. Like, do you think it had some significance? This wasn't just a lamp. This was a, this was a nice lamp. This was almost a $2 million lamp. So God gives some more instructions in Exodus 27, and we can read along. Exodus 27, uh, verse 20. It says, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and it must be observed from generation to generation. So he says very simply, keep that lamp burning. Remember the altar kept burning? He says, but keep this light burning too. So you've got two lights constantly burning. The lamp the light of the altar, right? It's in the outer courts that's always doing sacrifices, always atoning, or a constant reminder of their sinfulness, right? Because they're constantly having to bring sacrifices, right? Every day, more sacrifices. Every day I screw up. Every day I gotta bring a goat. I gotta bring a pigeon. I gotta bring something. I gotta sacrifice it to, to pay for my sin every single day. And then you come in, and guess what? The next year now there's a light that just constantly stays lit on a very, very nice lamp. Gives new meaning to like, we'll keep the light on for you. Right. Motel Six, anybody? Like maybe like maybe like half of you. I think they're I think they're closed. So God wanted them to build a really nice lamp that would burn all the time. So like, what's that about? Like, why are they why why is this lamp burning all the time? So let's just take let's pause for a minute and ask you this: Anytime God is physically described, for those who have read the scriptures before, anytime they describe God, what does He look like? Looks like fire, right? So Moses, right, appears to Moses, burning bush, right? He's a flame of fire, right? He led Israel by a cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. When he shows up, right, in the Old Testament, I mean, New Testament to the the early church, right? It says they're praying. It says he appeared above them like flames of fire on top. So God shows up like like fire, right? Prophets described him as exploding with, with light, Isaiah said, when he comes, you won't need the sun anymore, for he will be the sun. Right? He will be your light. In heaven, he is the light that illuminates everything. Right? There, there's no need for the sun because God just radiates light. Right? When King David said he lights up even the darkest places. The darkest places in the world, God shows up and there's light. The first thing God spoke into existence in all the world. Go to the beginning of the Bible. Open it up. Page 1. Chapter 1, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. See, because he is light. God is light. There's an undeniable connection between the presence of God and light. 
So when we start thinking about this in terms of a lampstand that's giving off light, the lampstand was a representation of God himself. This is my presence. Keep that lamp burning because I'm always there. And there's more. Isaiah 42. God talks to the people of Israel, people who he is living among. Remember, he's in the middle of them. And this is what he says, 42 verse 6. He says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. Not only was the lampstand a reminder that God was light, it was a reminder to the people that they had a role to play in this world. That Israel, my people, are a light to the whole world, illuminating those who are in darkness, letting them see the light. We need to clarify here. Are we actually talking about physical light? Talking about like... You know, sunbeams and gamma rays and wattage and lumens. Is that what we're talking about right now? Like when God says, you'll be light? Like, because some of you are lighter than others, and that has nothing to do with what God is talking about, right? That's melatonin in our skin. What are we talking about when we use the phrase light? Well, let's just, sometimes you can understand by talking about the opposite. So what is dark? What is dark? It's hard to see in the dark. Everybody close your eyes, right? There you go. Now get up and walk out, go to your car without opening your eyes, right? No, you're not going to do it because you're going to be banging your knees on these pews, right? You're going to walk into each other, right? There's just something. How many are grateful for the sight right now? You're grateful that your eyes work, that you can see that light is coming in and you can see we're thankful for the light. Lose power? Last week? Right? I lost power for like only four hours. Some of you were out for longer. I'm sorry if you have JCPNL. I'm sorry, right? You lose power. I was painting my kitchen when the power went out and it was getting late. You don't paint so confidently in the dark. I had to stop. Because it's easy to get fooled in the dark. It's easy for me to think I'm doing it right. And understand. And then, you know, lights come back on. Oh, that was the dishwasher. Right? That was not supposed to get painted. Right? You have those moments. It's easy. You lose power. You, when we lose sense of light in the dark, it's confusing. You don't know which way is, is right. You ever try and drive down a dark road? When there's no lights, no street lights, we're out in the Poconos on our staff retreat, and I'm trying to find a house in the middle, of the, and there are no lights. Yeah, he think Kevin thinks it's funny. I'm getting yelled at on the phone by the person whose house we're going to, being like, "You're the worst driver ever." I'm like, "Yeah, you can't see anything out here." He's like, "Oh, just keep going, keep going." I had to stop because I almost went off a cliff into the lake. There's no light. I can't tell. It's dark. It's easy to be disoriented in the dark. It's easy to not know which way is right. To not know if somebody is trustworthy. Which God is true. To be fooled into thinking you're on the right path and making progress. You know who rules the dark? Where it says the enemy rules the dark. The prince of darkness. It's so easy to deceive people in the dark. And it's easy to oppress people in the dark. So the dark is oppressive. There's people in our world who think it's okay to just take out a gun and just start taking people out. We are easily deceived. 
Look around the headlines. Tell me, does that sound like people living in the light or in the dark? We're living in the land of darkness. See, when we talk about light, we're not just talking about physical brightness. We're talking about truth. God says, I am light. I am truth. It's what's real. The analogy of light and dark permeates the Scriptures. Those in the light see truth. Those in the darkness do not. If you are in the light, you see truth. You see things as they are. You see reality. If you are in the dark, you are deceived, you are fooled, and you don't know the difference. The light of God radiating from Israel would shine to the world. It was part of the promise to Abraham that Israel would be a blessing to the world because they would reveal the truth to the world who was lost and wandering. The lampstand was a reminder that not only was God truth, but that they had a responsibility to be the truth, to be that light to every other nation so that people could see it. You know what I love so much? The light always was burning. That lamp never went out. You know what that tells me? Not only was God always there, but so was His truth. Truth never stops being true. The lamp of truth endures. It burns and it always does. Reality gets distorted all the time. Anybody develop, download that old person face app, right? And you download, you take a picture of yourself and it's like, you old, right? looks pretty real. I mean, if you've done it, like it looks pretty well. You can actually make yourself younger too if you want to go that way. I don't judge. You can do whatever you need to do. You can, you can put glasses on, change your hair color. You can do all stuff. Listen, with Photoshop, I'm pretty decent with Photoshop. You can, I can do anything. And some of you, it's hard. You wouldn't know that I did something. There are people that come to me, and I've changed Christmas photos for families. I've taken faces from here and put it in this picture and this picture. And, and like that picture never happened, but nobody else knows that. It's amazing what you, and I'm just, just a hack. I'm hanging out in my office just doing, having some fun, you know, a little bit. The professionals, you watch movies, 95% of what you see in a movie isn't actually there. It's computer generated. It's easy to be fooled. We, we, we can't even tell the difference. But the best news is that the light is always burning. No matter how many lies are told, no matter how good people get at telling the lies, no matter how many people believe the lies, truth is always true. Truth is always true. It's absolute. God is the eternal flame. It's always burning. You want to know about the house of God? It's truth. Truth resides in the house of God always. That lamp never goes out. And Israel, his people, shined that truth to the nations. But that's not all. Because along came Jesus. And you want to guess what Jesus called himself? John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to people once more and said, I am the light. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The light. I am truth. You can trust me. Jesus saying, I am true. No matter what anybody says, he will always be the ultimate reality. And not only is he the light, but he said something crazy about us. Want to guess what he said about us? Kind of know where I'm going with this, right? Matthew chapter 5, he said this. You. Who? You. 
Say again. Ever say you. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You. You are the light of the world. Yes, you. Every single person in here, you are the light of the world. You carry the eternal truth of God inside you. The truth that will always be true resides inside you. Some of you don't feel that way. Some of you don't feel like the truth. I think it was, was Alan Iverson, right? He was the answer, right? Was, was LeBron calls himself the truth? I don't know who is it that calls himself. Some, is it Paul, Paul Pierce? Seriously, Paul Pierce, the truth? Basketball player. Come on. He's, anytime he opens his mouth, is not the truth. But another Paul said it clearly one time. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious lights of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light and darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. God has put the golden lampstand inside you. He put that golden lampstand That two million dollar light, it's priceless. It's worth more than that because it's inside you. And it will never go out. That lamp burns inside you. And every time you speak truth, you bring light into someone else's darkness. Now let's just clarify. Not every time you speak your truth. Listen, I'm a clay jar. Nobody cares about my truth. Right? I can sit there and tell you my truth, my perspective, my opinion, my thoughts. That's not necessarily truth. They can call it my truth, but it doesn't make it true. My truth, the light will go out eventually. We're talking about the Word of God. The truth. That truth is inside you. And that truth looks like this. There is forgiveness of sins for everyone through Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's the truth that resides inside you that burns so brightly. That there is grace and mercy and forgiveness of sins for everybody, everywhere through Jesus Christ. That is the truth. And that's the truth that resides in us. That there is a heaven, right, that is destined for you. That God's desire is for all of us to join Him there. Right? That this life, eternity hangs in the balance. Life is preparation for eternity. Everything found in the Word of God, everything in the Scriptures, that is truth. That's the only truth that matters. You have light that can free people who are in darkness. So let's just summarize. A lampstand was a constant reminder of God's continually illuminating truth. Truth is found in the light. The light is always burning. Truth never stops being true. God is the eternal flame. Israel shined that truth to the nations. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So what? So what? It's August. 
It's Sunday. You're ready to go. Hit some brunch up, you know. Maybe hit the pool this afternoon. Maybe you're going to go to the beach. I don't know. I am going to the beach this afternoon. I'm going to head out there. My family is already there. So what? Jesus light of the world. That's great. Nice. We're all lights. Okay, can we go? So what? So, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Anybody have a lamp under your bed? Just making sure. Because nobody does that. Because you put a lamp up high where it can give light. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. God didn't put His light inside of you for you to hide it. He didn't put His truth inside of you for you to keep it quiet. Alright, I really wish you would have let us go like two minutes ago. We need to keep our light shining. We need to continually let our light shine. Anybody remember the song? Let's just do it now. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Right? Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Right? Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm gonna, stupid Sunday school stuff we learned growing up, right? I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You don't want me to sing it, don't worry. If you've never heard the song, YouTube it. I'm sure there's a bunch of people singing it poorly. All right? you, can go, you can go hear them. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. It was, it was the priest's job to make sure there was enough oil for the lamps to keep burning. Remember God said, Aaron, he was the high priest, right? Aaron, it's your job to make sure those, that lamp keeps burning. Somebody's responsible for it. So if we're the royal priests, as we learned, whose job is it to keep the light shining? There's a story Jesus told about some bridesmaids. Some of you, maybe maybe your mind's going there, about some bridesmaids going to a wedding. And uh, there was ten of them, and five of them brought plenty of oil, and five of them just were like, eh, I'll just get a little bit. But the bridegroom took a little while. He was like, it was like reverse, like he was late, and he was taking a long time. And so while like they were waiting, their lamps went out. So they went to refill the oil, and when they went to refill, that's when he showed up. And they didn't get to go in, and they missed the party. And there's this sort of story in there. How do we keep enough oil in our soul to keep our lamp burning? Some of us are like, I just want just enough to get me through the day, but I'll probably run out tomorrow. The truth is we run out. Anybody run out of truth for people? Run out of patience for people? You run out of, listen, I'm lucky I'm even here today. I don't have a lot of extra to give to anybody else. Anybody feeling dry? You know, like, like if you're lit, I mean, it's like, you know, like when the candle is almost out and there's like just enough and you're like, you know, in the next 30 seconds, I'm just going to see you smoke because there's just no, there's no wax left. Like it's going to go, right? You get those little tiki torches outside for your mosquitoes, right? And all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, I think it's going. I'm going to have to unscrew the top. It's going to be all hot. And then I'm going to have to wait a while, get gloves, and I can put my oil back in. Right? How, do we, how do we keep, we feel like that. How do we keep ourselves 
full of oil. We get drained. We get depleted. The whole point of the tabernacle was that worship was the way into God's presence and that in His presence was everything you need. That was the entire point of the tabernacle, that you would come in to worship God. And there were all these different forms and things that had to happen to express worship, but as you got in there, that you'd receive everything you needed. Right after Jesus left this earth, right after, right, you follow the story, his, res- his crucified on the cross, resurrected, and he ascends to heaven in a cloud, and he's gone, and the church is sitting there, and they don't even know what to do. It's one of those days that they were empty. I don't have, I don't have answers for anybody else. I don't even know what's going on in my own life right now. They were disoriented. They were just together. And he didn't know what was going on. So you know what they did? They decided to worship. Acts tells us, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Next verse. It says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house. Remember, they're just... They're, they're empty, and they're just worshiping. They don't know what to do, so they're just singing praise to God. It says, then, verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. How does God look when he shows up? He looks like light. He looks like fire. God shows up. God shows up, and it says, everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That's great. Nice little experience. But so what? Keep reading. Verse 5. At that time, they were devout Jews from every nation living in Jews. From where? Every nation. When God says you'll be a light to who? Every nation. I will make you a light to the nations. Okay. Every nation was living there. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Right. Not just like, like their languages. The, the languages of the nations are being spoken here. And the people were completely amazed. How can this be? The people that are talking, they're all from Galilee. And yet, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Okay, here we go. Ready? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome both Jews and converts to Judeans, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. What are they speaking? They're speaking truth. They're speaking truth. The Spirit of God shows up, power, and all of a sudden they start speaking truth. They're worshiping. Worship led to God showing up. When God shows up, they've got power to speak truth. To the nations. To the nations. See, because when you are constantly in the presence of God, He fills you with His oil. And you can burn no matter where you go, no matter to whom you go. And you become a light to dark places. You begin to speak truth to people who desperately need to hear it. If you want to keep your oil full and your lamp burning, keep worshiping God even when you feel low. Especially when you feel low. When that little light flicks on in your car and says, low fuel, you know I need to start heading to a gas station. When you start losing truth for people, when you start losing the capacity to be light and darkness, you know what you need? You need to just drive into the God station. I just made that up, right? 
Listen, you can't manufacture light. You can't try harder to shine brighter. You don't have enough. But if God shows up in your life, He is light, and you just radiate His light. Because remember, you're just a clay pot. I'm nothing. But when I'm around God, I radiate. When Moses was on the mountain, his face glowed. I will be at the beach all week. It's our vacation week with our family. When I come back, my face will be darker because I've sat in the sun light. Light will change my complexion. When you're in the presence of God, you radiate His presence. Here's something I'm going to ask you to do. Ephesians 1.18 Paul prayed this prayer. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Would you pray that a flood of light would just begin to show up around you in your family, in your friends, perhaps in your office, in your neighborhood, in your community? Does our world need a flood of light right now? Man, there's some hurting people out there living in darkness. God, would you just flood our country with truth? Would people receive truth? Illuminate the darkness, the deception that is holding people captive. Let truth blaze through this land and rip up that darkness that is keeping people deceived. There are people that are broken and they don't they just don't know how to get out. They're completely in the dark. But God's light illuminates every darkness. I love the song we sang. We'll sing it again. There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no shadow he can't illuminate. And once you've done that, all right, so get close to God, worship. Pray for a floodlight. This is one of my favorite quotes. John Wesley, famous preacher, said this. He said, light yourself on fire with passion. And people will come from miles to watch you burn. It's not about you. It's not about you trying harder. It's about, look at how passionate I am for, you know, donuts. Nobody cares about your passions. That's not what this is about. This is... Light yourself on fire with the passion of God. When you get in the presence of God, guess what? He shows up on top of you. He just like a fire will come on you. You want to you burn? Get in the presence of God and stay there. As you just begin to live, you can be in the presence of God as you're driving in your car. You can be in the presence of God as you're walking through the aisles in ShopRite. You could be in your bedroom folding clothes and you could be filled with the presence of God. It's, it's called practicing the presence of God. Wherever you go, just be mindful that God is with you. The, the lamp is always burning. His presence is always there. It's in you. That is in you. The truth is always in you. Be, just be in His presence all day long, wherever you go. When somebody is in darkness, you got light for them. You will have light for them. God is light. He says, and my purpose for you is to be light to the nations, no matter where you go. Ephesians 5.8 For once you were full of darkness. That's who we used to be. But now you are full of light. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces what is good and right and true. Let me tell you, love the truth. The truth will never go out of style. 
Because the truth is always going to be true. It will never not be true. It endures forever. If you will enter God's presence with worship, His light will take up residence in you. And the people in your life that you love and care about, I I guarantee you everybody in here knows somebody who's living in darkness. You know somebody right now who you're sitting there going, man, God, light their world up. Light their world up. Flood them with lights. challenge you this week. Pray for them every day. God, would you flood them with light? And then would you maybe just light yourself on fire? Get in God's presence and say, God, let them watch me burn. And be drawn like a moth to the light. Right? God, let them just be drawn to you. And they're going to realize that you're just a clay pot. It's not you. It's the God in you. There's no longer a tabernacle for them to go and see a lampstand and be reminded that God's light is always burning. But there is a you that can see you. I'm going to invite the team back up. We're going to close. We're going to close with a song of worship. It's going to take a few minutes. I'm just going to sing one song. I want to invite you, as we sing, let's go into God's presence. Perhaps this is our way of saying, God, I want to approach you. God, would you just let your fire fall on me right here and now as we sing this song? God, we're going to go into your presence. God, would you just begin to illuminate something inside of me? If if there's somebody on your mind and you say, God, as you're singing, God, would you flood their life with light right now? I know they're in darkness. Think about someone specific and say, God, may your fire rest on me and that brilliant light just shine through me. Let's just take a moment and pray. God, I ask today that your presence would would be on in this room. Lord, it's nothing about the walls. It's about the people that are here. Lord, your light resides inside us. Lord, may we be brilliant light to the world around us. Forgive us for living dim and dull lives. For hiding the light that you've put inside us. Lord, we, we confess for the times that we've done that. For living lives lesser than we were created. For hiding that light. Lord, forgive us. That's where you are right now. Just confess to God those times where you know you haven't been the light of the truth that you were supposed to be. Just be honest with God. Be real. There's no condemnation in Him, but there needs to be honesty. And God, today is a brand new day. I light a new flame inside us. We should do something new. Lord, we come to You today recognizing That you've created us for a purpose. You created us to make a difference to the nations. Lord, and whether that's going to the nations or whether you will bring the nations to us as you did to that early church, Lord, you brought it to their doorstep. And just as they were doing life, as they were worshiping, Lord, you showed up in their lives and gave them power to speak truth. Lord, you flipped the switch and power came on in their life power of your Holy Spirit. And they became light to the nations right in their hometown. Lord, wherever you call us today, Lord, we welcome you. Light up our life. Light up our life, God. 
And may we continually keep coming to you day after day so that our lamps will not run out. You will give us enough oil for today, but tomorrow is a new day. We need to come to you again. May we just continually come to the one who is light so that those we love, that the world around us can live in that light and know the truth of a God who loves unconditionally. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.com.